is just to get us all a little closer to thee, a little closer to thee. The word this morning comes from the book of James, the second chapter from the 14th to the 26th verse. And it reads, what does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works. Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do not want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works, faith was made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. Of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without 
the spirit is dead. So faith without works is dead also. My message today is, are you betting on the wrong horse? Faith without works is dead. Are you betting on the wrong horse? Oh, gracious and blessing, Father God died this morning. That I might help someone, some soul get closer to thee. Use me, Lord, this morning. The author, author of this epistle identifies himself as James, a bond servant of God, and of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a how-to-do book, and it explains how things are done. With helpful pointers and colorful illustrations, it's a how-to-do book of the Christian life. It is one of the most practical books of the New Testament because it offers instruction and exhortation to Christians who are experiencing problems as all of us do. Exhortation just simply means to urge, to push, to encourage. In these days, all you hear about is something negative. The price of food, the price of gas, everything costs so much. It seems as though everything is going up in cost. Everything but your pay. Man will figure out a way that if you have $100 left over, he's going to try and take it from you. Then on top of all of it, you have this one or that one talking about you, spreading rumors on you, like you weren't going through enough already. Don't let it get you down. The Bible says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all you who are laboring heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We have to have faith and trust in Jesus. But you see, some people aren't strong as others. I walked in the store the other day, and I looked along the wall, and all I saw was people playing the slot machines, and they were focused. Their eyes were set on the machine. When I looked in their faces, all I saw was despair, stress. All I saw was hope, hoping on a way out, a way out of their trials and tribulations. See, it draws you in, and you can't look down on them. They're brothers and sisters in Christ. They've just gotten caught up. See, life's burdens, life itself, attitudes, backstabbing, being talked about, slandered, and despair. I'm glad I'm not talking about church folk. See, church folk know that all you have to do is lean 
on Jesus. Matthew eleven twenty nine and 30 says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lonely in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When I was in the store looking at their faces, I glanced up at the top of the machine and I saw horses racing. And my soul cried out, are you betting on the right horse instead of trusting in Jesus? I was on my way to work the other day. It was around 4.30 in the morning. I stopped by the store and people were sitting at the machine. There was a lady there and she was in a house coat and slippers with a scarf on her head. She spoke and said, I should be home, but I can't sleep. Stress and despair had her up in the wee hours of the morning. The same stress that should have put her on bended knees. But isn't that what we do as Christians? We let stress and despair get us down. Instead of leaning on the word. James 1, 2 through 4 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, the key is are you betting on the wrong horse? Faith without works is dead. I pulled up another morning and I saw a man that I knew. He had gotten an early start on the machine, and he told me, I should be home right now. My wife, she doesn't even know I'm up here. See, he's trying to figure a way out. The Bible says in Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8, but blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by the waters and thins out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves and its leaves are always green. Again, the key is, are you betting on the wrong horse? Faith without works is dead. You see, there's so many things in life that can get you distracted, caught up, or even captivated. It can lead you down a long road, a dark road of despair. And before you know it, life has passed us by. And you've forgotten about Jesus. It wasn't your intentions, but you got caught up. We've forgotten about Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, 
present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. Are you betting on the wrong horse? My nephew and I was traveling the other day, and we stopped by the store. When we walked in the store, I walked over to the ATM machine. When I got there, there was a man laying lifeless in the floor. I walked over to the man in the floor, and the store owner was standing over top of him. The lady that worked the register was standing beside him. He had fallen in the floor as he was sitting at the slot machines. There was a lady still sitting in the slot machine right beside him. So when I walked up to him, I looked at him, and the man was lifeless, eyes set, and turning blue. I asked the store owner, what happened? They said he just slumped over the machine and, and fell in the floor. I leaned down on bended knees, and I put my hand at his neck trying to feel for a pulse. I, I grabbed his wrist and I, I tried to feel for a pulse, put my ear to his mouth, and there was no air coming in nor going out. I sit back and I said, how long has this man been laying in the floor? They said he's been here for about five minutes. I said, call 911. They said, we already have. I sit back and I started to do CPR in chest compressions. I start pumping on the man's chest and as I pumped it, nothing was happening. I would slap the man's chest and massage his chest and give more chest compressions. I sit back and I kept pumping on the man's chest and the lady got from beside the machine and she got down on, on bending knees. And I said, ma'am, who are you? She said, I'm his wife. And I looked at her as I performed CPR. I said, what's his name? And she said, his name is Ray. I said, ma'am, not my name, but what is his name? She said, his name is Ray. And it, it gave me pause, but I kept on pumping on his chest. And I sit back and I told her to talk to him. I proceeded to give him CPR, calling out Ray. 
don't leave me, stay with me now. And I kept pumping on his chest, and the wife proceeded to talk to him. And after performing CPR for about two minutes, the man took a deep breath and as if he'd been underwater for five or so minutes. And once he took the deep breath and let it out, I said, give me another one. Give me another one, Ray. And after about a minute later, he took another deep breath. And I kept on pumping on his chest. And I said, oh, my God is, is still alive and well. I continued to work on the man. He kept on trying to suck in out and blowing it back out. And I just kept talking to him. Don't leave me, Ray. Stay with me now. But you can't tell me how good God is. I was calling the name Ray, and all I could think about was how many times in my life I was down and caught up in despair. But Jesus, Jesus called my name. First Peter 5, 6, and 7 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time and cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. The animals got there and they picked Ray up and, and put him on a gurney. And all I could say was how good God is. I'm not going to bet on the wrong horse to you, Ray. Ray had got caught up in life's despair. Ray had got caught up in the trials and tribulations of life. But I'm, I'm not going to bet on the wrong horse. I'm going to surrender my life to Jesus, the name above every name. When I sit back and think about what the Lord has done for me, when trials come, Psalms 9, 9 and 10, the Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold times of troubles. Those who know your name, trust in you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Faith without works is dead. Trust in Jesus, the one who hung, bled, and died, so that you and I can have a right to the tree of life. Psalms 103. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O oh my souls, and forgive not all his benefits. Despair may come, and we may get worn down. Isaiah 40, 30 and 31 says, even you. Grow tired and weary, 
and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew, will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Faith without works is dead. Don't worry about the troubles of life. Don't you bet on the wrong horse. Depend and count on Jesus. That's all you have to do. Psalms 91, the safety of abiding in the presence of God. It reads, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In him I will trust. I will trust in the Lord all the days of my life. In the Lord I will dwell, and in the Lord I will trust. Life, life itself will bear you down. Don't let life get you. Don't let the burdens get you. Don't let despair get you. Trust in God. He will never leave you nor forsake you. All you have to do is trust in God. We go through trials and tribulations in life. But for every trial and for every tribulation, it makes you strong. It builds your faith. Because faith without work is dead. The question is, are you betting on the wrong horse? Trust in Jesus all the days of your life. He'll be there for you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Now everyone go in your secret closet. Open your hearts to God. Trust in the Lord. And repeat after me. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory. With exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise. Be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forevermore. Let all the saints of God say amen, amen. And amen again. Thank you this morning for allowing me 
allow me to get closer to Christ. May heaven smile upon you, and may God's grace rest on you. Amen. Amen. Amen.
with Reverend Ray Lucas. We thank God for Reverend Ray Lucas out of Virginia. God bless you. You're listening to the Fivefold Ministry broadcast. I'm your host, Apostle Margie Mercer, and let's get back into one more time that beautiful song by Dottie Peoples and the choir. Amen. Peoples, God bless you again, and let us listen to Apostle Alexander Lockme at this time. You're listening to the Fivefold Ministry Broadcast. Amen. And an honor to come to you this afternoon in behalf of the Word of God. Thanking you for the holiday season. We pray that it's well with you, and if not, we pray that God will make you well, so you have the ability to do so. So we just thank God for this opportunity. Uh, to come and minister word to your listeners this afternoon, we just want to thank God for uh, for the apostle uh, Margie for allowing this opportunity to be for God using her to allow us to have this opportunity to be able to minister to you. Because without God using her, we could not do it. The Bible said, "I give you favor inside of God and man." You know, so many people they want to talk all about what they what they are in God, how they believe in God, and God is this and God is that, but man can't tell them nothing. When they come down to man, they want to close their ears. But if God can't use man, then God can't use. You can't be blessed by God the way he wants you blessed. And he, he can't work out his will in your life without using man. But he said, I give you a favor in the sight of God and man. So we thank God for people because we need people. This holiday season, I'll, I encourage you, don't don't be to yourself. Uh, you know what I'm saying? This thing is about love. It's about loving one another. It's about fellowship with one another. The Bible forget not to assemble ourselves together. And we get saved and we get selfish. We forget that we one time were lost and we 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 we, we stay to ourselves and we, we we overlook family members and different ones who don't know the Lord because they, they annoy us or, or we feel embarrassed by them or we feel like that that they're we're out of place when we're around them, but they need your love. This holiday season, they need you not only to tell them about Jesus, they need to show that Jesus is on the inside of you and make their holiday season a blessing. That loved one you keep ignoring when you see them coming, you turn and go the other way because you're afraid they're going to ask for some drug money or alcohol money or, or money to do something they ain't got no business doing because they don't know Jesus. But a little love goes a long way. Maybe if you change your attitude, 
Maybe you'll be more positive toward them. God can reach them. God can talk to them. How's God going to talk through you to them when you're running from them every time you see them? So we need to change our attitude. So we thank God. This evening we want to talk about change. H-C-H-A-N-G-E, change. We're going to talk about you, your change. And I, I, I want to talk about my son would be if the Jesus you have is not changing you, then you need to change your Jesus. Listen to what I said again. If the Jesus that you have, that you serve, that you say you've been born again, is not changing you, then you need to change your Jesus. It is impossible for any person, anyone, boy, girl, man, or woman, if you're old enough and have the the, uh, the knowledge to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you say you've been born again, and you've been born again for a number of days, for a while, and you have not changed, then you missed the mark. You don't grab the wrong Jesus. You don't not hold the wrong spirit because it's impossible for Jesus to be in your life and you stay the same. Oh, it's it's a it, it, it's an edible for you not to change. God's gonna change you. You're gonna change because change is on the inside of you. It, it's like blowing air into a balloon. It's impossible for a balloon not to blow up if you blow air in it. That balloon got to change. That balloon got to get bigger and bigger because you're blowing more and more air in it. When God come into your life through his son, Christ Jesus, you are going to change. But we're living in a generation of people that are talking about they've been saved. They've been born again, Holy Ghost filled, and five baptized from the pulpit to the congregation and acting crazy, acting like they done lost their mind, acting like they ain't no Jesus on the inside of them. Ain't no more change in them than the change it would when it first got saved. You cannot claim Jesus and not change. The Bible said, if you name the name of Christ, ought you not walk like him, talk like him, act like him? You said you've been born again. You say that God has saved you. You've been washed in the blood of the Lamb, and you're still doing the same thing. You've still been mischievous. You've still cursing. You've still been scandalous. I ain't talking about every now and then. You're doing it all the time. It's a lifestyle. You really have not changed. You, you, you know, you, you you tell me that you put on, you had on black, and you would told me that you put on white, and then you come out the house with black on. See, that ain't a change. If you had put on white, then you should have white, had a white sweater on when you came out, and not a black sweater. We got people saying they're changed and still wearing the same thing. You cannot call the name of Christ and, and say that God's in your life. If you have not changed, the Bible says old things pass away. Behold, all things, because the same God that changed me, and I knew I was in a mess. When he saved me in prison in 1979, I did not know God and did not want to know no God. I know I didn't have no mindset to know no God. I didn't want to know but the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost drew me. The Holy Ghost convicted me. The Holy Ghost called me to come and accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And when he did, he's been changing me. Even since then, I've been changing from one grace into another, laying down one thing after another, changing one thing after another, stopping one thing after another. The Bible says, "Leave out every waking that sin so either but set you." In the world, the world heard us talking about a change, and we ain't changed. We looking at them. We still going to the club with them. We still out there smoking dope with them. We still out there drinking liquor with them. We still out there running around having sexual affairs with them. 
We feel we feel we're living a life of lasciviousness and adulterousness and fornication, and yet we claim the name of Christ. It's time that we change. It's time that we allow the Jesus that we say on the inside of us to change us. Now look what the scripture says. The scripture said, "If that Jesus that you got is not keeping you holy, have not changed you, is not calling you to hold up holy and clean hands." The Bible says you ain't got nothing else to look forward to because he ain't coming again. He's not going down the cross no more. He's not going to come down here with a man and put their hands on him no more. The sacrifice he made is enough. And if the sacrifice that Jesus made ain't enough to keep you holy, ain't enough to cause you to walk upright and have clean hands, then there's nothing left but a terrible way of judgment. That means there ain't nothing else you can wait for but the judgment of God when it's all over with to judge you. Because you did not allow the blood of Jesus, to cleanse you, to sanctify you, to set you apart, as God would have you do. So we're going to go into the scripture. I just want to share. We're talking about change tonight. Remember I said, if the Jesus you got hadn't changed you, it ain't starting to change you, you need to change your Jesus. You got the wrong one because this Jesus will change you. You can't help but change. You can't help but be different. You can't help but lay down every weight in the sense of either but sin. Because his grace will do it. His grace is powerful. His grace is sufficient. His grace will break every habit, break every stronghold. Oh, I'm excited about it. So this holiday season, God wants the church to come back to where it's supposed to be, because the church is out there acting like the world. Yeah, the Bible says we can't tell the difference between the world and the church because the world acting so much like the church. The world want to bring the world want to bring the church into the church. The church want to bring the world into the church, and because they saying people don't want to come to church, so they try to bring the world into the church. So that maybe that would encourage people to come, but that is not the answer. But the club don't the club the world don't bring the church into the world. So why are we going to bring the world into the church? If they don't want to accept Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, they're going to be lost. My grandma had to do it. My grandpa, great-great-grandpa had to do it. Your great-grandma, your great-grandpa, your ancestors had to accept Jesus Christ. He's the same one Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob served. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego served. He's the same God. He's Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and the end. And if we don't accept him for just what he is, we're going to be lost. Hebrews 13 and 8 said, Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. And that's the way we have to be. When he comes into our life, he comes to make us to be sane. Some people you don't know how to talk to, you don't know whether to call them in the morning or not. Because one morning they one way and another one and another. I've heard people tell me, I don't know where to call her or not because she might curse me out. Of, I don't know what she's going to say. But when you've been born again, you don't act like that from morning to morning. Change it. The Bible says God knows the way of a righteous man. But see, God knows when you're righteous, when you're saved, when you've been born again. God knows in the morning what you're going to do. He knows you're going to get up and give his name a praise. He knows you're going to get up and pray. He knows you're going to get up and acknowledge him before you start out your day. God knows that because you belong to him. But he don't know what a wicked man going to do. wicked man might get up cussing. He might get up fussing. He might get up fighting. Uh, you know, he, you know what I'm saying? He, he, he might get up uh, committing adultery or falling again. He don't know what he's going to do because he ain't led by God. His mind is not governed by God. So we don't know what he's going to do, but God knows what you're going to do because you've been born again and you belong to him. And if you've been born again, change is going to come from day to day, from week to week, from month to month. You're going to become sanctified. The Bible said when you was in the world, 
You went from iniquity to iniquity. But now that you're in Christ Jesus, you're going to go from righteousness into holiness. Oh, yeah, it's like being in the military. You start out as a, 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 a staff sergeant, and then you go on up the rank. I don't know what all the ranks are, but you go on up the rank to be a, a, a you know, a sergeant or, 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 or a lieutenant, a tenant, or a colonel, or a major. You go on up the rank, and, and you rank from one to another. So it is in grace. The Bible says we grow in grace. You're supposed to grow in grace. As you grow in grace, the Bible says God give it grace. Listen, the Bible says God give it grace according to the merits of Christ. Do you not know that when you get born saved, you don't get all Christ? You don't get the fullness of Christ. It comes by measurement. And the more Christ you get, the more grace you're going to get. And you know what he said about grace? Grace is sufficient. So we need to get more Christ in our life by fasting and by praying and by reading the word, by seeking the face of God that he might give us more of the, of, of the precious blood of Jesus. And as we get more of the precious blood of Jesus, we will walk like a Christian, talk like a Christian, act like a Christian. God does not change. We should not change. If we're holy today, we should be holy tomorrow. If we're righteous today, we should be righteous tomorrow. If we're sincere today, we should be, should be sincere tomorrow. So God needs these straight traits in order to win the world. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven says, For I know the plan. I have for you. See, when God changes you, he, when God changes you and, and gets your attention and changes you and gives you a, a new name and gives you a new a new, uh, a new spirit, he has planned for you. He didn't, just save, he didn't just save you so you could be saved. He saved you with a plan. And Jeremiah said, and for I know the plans I have for you, declared the Lord, plan, well, plan for your welfare and not for evil to give you a future and not a hope. You see what I'm saying? To give you a future and a hope. God plans it out and he changed you to let you eat the good of the land because you belong to him now. You are, you are a child of God. So the benefits of God is yours because you are a child of God. He said we hold no good thing for them that walk up right before him. You belong to God now. Uh-huh. And the Bible says and it's his will. In the Bible says it's his good pleasure that you eat the good of the land. God wants you to do eat good. He wants your bill paid. He wants your body healed. He wants your mind regulated. He wants you to be full of peace. He wants you to be full of love. He wants you to be full of joy. Why? Because you belong to him. He has a plan for you to take you to another level. He has a plan to take you to higher heights and deeper depth. Uh-huh. He has a plan to take you into his abundance. Uh, plan not a evil. It's not God's plan to carry you into evil, for you to have evil days and bad luck and trouble all the time. No, it's God's plan is to give you a future and a hope. God want to give you, a, but you got to change. You can't get this until you change. You can't get this until you allow God to change you. And as God changes you, God prepares you for that plan he got for you, to give you a future and to give you a hope. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brother, by the mercy of God, talking about change now, to present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. In other words, your reason of service. In other words, this is something you ought to do anyway. Do not be conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by, by knowing this, by testing you may be what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Be 
you transform. Uh-huh. It said be, therefore, by the mercy of God, present your body a living sacrifice. See, in the Bible, days when the priests, uh, people bought the priest, uh, the sacrifice to the, to the people, to whether, whatever the sacrifice might have been, the priest took the sacrifice and he killed it and offered it on the altar to God, and God received it. God said, come to me, don't kill yourself. God, but only kill yourself spiritually. God said, come and kill yourself spiritually. Come a living sacrifice. So a sacrifice, a sacrifice in the Bible day could not even be accepted except it died. Just because they bought the sheep and the goat and the pigeon, it won't no good. They had to kill it in order for it to be acceptable sacrifice. So God said, come and be a living sacrifice. You'll come and you'll dedicate it. You give yourself to me as a sacrifice from the dying from this world, denying this a world. That's a sacrifice. For God I live, for God I die. That's a sacrifice. Uh, a God, a man, uh, to, to do the will of God for the rest of your life. That is a living sacrifice. So God said, come as a living sacrifice. Sacrifice yourself and give the world up. The Bible says he will find his life, lose Who will find his life in this world, lose it in the world to come. And he that find his life in the world, uh, 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 in the world will lose it uh, in this world. When you find your life in this world, you're going to lose it in the world come with with which is eternal heaven. But if you give God your life and lose your life in this world, then you shall gain eternal life in heaven. Ain't that something? So it's up to you whether you gain eternal life or, or go into judgment and suffer eternal life, eternal damnation, because you refuse to, to make Jesus Lord and Savior. You want to live in this world. You want the pleasure of this world. You, you, you want to let go. You want to wear this world as a tight garment. The Bible says, wear this world as a loose garment. Honey, when you, when Jesus comes, when the Holy Ghost comes, if you all tied up in this world and this world all tangled around you and twisted out around you, how you going to meet him in the midair with the world wrapped all around you? you got to wear this world like a loose garment. So whenever the Holy Ghost comes, he's going to pull you out of that garment and call you up to glory. So present your body. Amen. Come to God. Give God you. Give God you. That's why the preacher said, give God your hand and your heart. Give God you. Say, here I am, God. Use me for your honor, for your good. You made me for your will, God. Here I am. Use me for your glory. Get out of me what you put in me. You put your glory in earth and vessel, and I'm that vessel that you put it in. So get your glory out of me. So as you present your body to God as a living sacrifice, he would change you from one grace to the other. You might have been cussing when you came. You might have been lying when you came. You might have been committing adultery when you came. You might be doing all this kind of crazy stuff when you came to him. But as you stay with him, as you walk with him and you talk with him, a change is going to take place by the power of the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus. Exactly Corinthians 5 and 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old have passed away. Behold, new have come. Oh, that speaks for his own self. We already mentioned that. But that speaks for itself. If any man be in Christ, you can't help but change. You can't help but change. You can't, I mean, it's out of your hand. If you come to God, he's going to change you. And if God doing not your doing, God's going to make old things pass away. And the whole old thing going to be, because you can't do it. If you could do it, you wouldn't need God. But God's going to change you. 
He's going to take the old man out of you, the old ways out of you, that old nature out of you. He's not going to just save you and let you keep that damn nature. If God saved you and let you keep that damn nature, you're going to go right back out in the world and start sitting like you want to and even worse. But what God does when he saves you, he takes out that damn nature and he puts you in the nature of Christ. He takes out the nature, damn nature, that's the nature that Adam and Eve had. God's going to take that nature out of you, which you were born with, and ain't going to put the nature. He's going to put the nature in you of Christ Jesus. You are a new creature. you got the spirit of God in you now. you got the nature of God in you now. So when you got the nature of God in you, uh, you, 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 you are, you're going to change. He's on the inside. You're going, you're going to change. You're going to lay down the weights and sin so either but set you. You're going to change. The world is going to see you change. Your neighbor, your family, your brother, your sister is going to see you change. Why? Because Christ is on the inside of you. And he does not change. He's the same. Amen. Do not, Philippians 4, 6 and 7, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, my prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Listen, in the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will keep your heart and your mind in Christ. Be anxious. Be in a hurry. Just want it to happen. Wait on the Lord. It may be a habit. Maybe it's a hang-up. Maybe you're caught up in something. It just look like you ain't coming out fast enough. You be patient. You you you, you put it in God's hand. You wait right there and see don't God come. He going to come, but he just needs you to be patient. He needs you not to be anxious. Because anxiety make you make wrong decisions. As I make you go to the wrong place. As I to have you married to the wrong person. As I to have you become a member of the wrong church. Uh, as I to have you caught up in the wrong situation because you want it fixed now. You, you, you ain't want to wait. Oh, you just got to have it done now. It just got to be done your way. And it don't care what nobody else says. That's what you want. That's what anxiety do to you. But the Bible should be angels for nothing. And everything, see, this is everybody to get this right here. So we're all guilty of it. Don't be, don't worry about it. I don't care if you're getting married. I don't care if you're trying to get a job. I don't care you're trying to get a loan. I don't care if you're trying to move into a new location. I don't care if you're trying to move into a new house. I, I don't care if you're trying to have a baby and look like the baby won't come. Be not anxious. Be not anxious. Be not anxious. Be patient. That baby's going to come soon enough. That husband's going to straighten up soon enough. Them children going to straighten up soon enough. You be patient so that your anxiety won't cause you to do something that you regret. God is able to give you the victory. He's able to heal your body. He's able to regulate your mind. He's able to restore your joy. He's able to put the broken pieces back together again. So don't you be anxious. Don't you get in a hurry. Don't you try to take matters in your own hand and try to fix it yourself because God's going to fix it. He's big enough to fix it. He's able to fix it. He has the ability to fix it because he's God. And he wants you to leave it in his hand. He wants you to not be anxious about it. Oh, my God. Because anxiety will cause you to mess up. God is going to change you. 
If you feel like you're doing the right thing and look like you ain't changing, I encourage you to hang on in there. Keep on doing what you're doing. Change is going to come. God is not a land God. Let every man be a liar and let God be the truth. He's going to do just what he says. I'm excited about the word. Listen, his word is the only thing we got to stand on. The Bible said heaven and earth will pass away, but God's word is not going to pass away. You just can't walk away from the word trying to get your answer from somebody else. I don't care how smart they is. I don't care how education they is. I don't care how knowledgeable they is. I don't care what college they went to, whether it was Yale University. I don't care over uh, uh, Shaw. Uh, uh, it don't matter what college they went to. The word of God is not will never fail. The word of God will not mislead you. It will not lie. It, 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 it will not go out and come back void, but it will accomplish what it sent it out to do. So stand on God's word. Find out what the words say about your situation and stand on it. The Bible says, lose not your confidence that you have in God. He has a great recompense and reward. What you mean, Apostle? Uh, sometimes Satan will try to steal your confidence. He'll try to make you doubt God. Uh, he'll try to make you not trust God. He'll try to make you not believe that God's going to do it because he's taking too long to do it. Huh? The Bible says, be not, be not be deceived by God's patience. But, you know, sometimes people say because God ain't come, that he ain't coming. So they go out doing this and they go out doing that and they get out of the will of God because they because God tarried, because God didn't come when he wanted it. The Bible says, though he tarried, he will come. You hear what I said? Though God tarried, he will come. And the Bible says that when he comes, he will knock you down and run you. He's coming. I want to encourage somebody. He comes, and he's coming with change in his hands. God wants you to change. It's his will for you to change. How can you not change when it's God's will for you to change? In the name of Jesus, it's his will. It is his will. His will is for you to change. Change for the better. For except you change. The Bible says you will likewise perish. If you don't change, you're going to perish. If you don't change, you're going to be lost. If you don't change, you're going to end up in destruction. You're going to end up in judgment. You're going to end up in hell. If you don't change, do you hear what I'm saying? You can ignore this mess. You can put it to the side, put it on a corner, put it on a table, act like you didn't hear it. But Apostle Lachlan is telling you this afternoon that, that, that if you don't change, the Word says it. The Word says I'm just backing up what the Word says. If you don't change, oh, my God, if you don't change, uh, then you're going to be lost. If you don't repent, if you don't stop what you're doing, destruction is coming. And you're going to be left out in the dark. Change is up to you. It's something that all of us ought to be doing. But we keep on procrastinating. We keep on putting it off. Little by little, day by day, week by week, month by month. Now we're, now we're 10, now we're 20, now we're 30, now we're 40, now we're 50, now we're 50. And going right on up the ladder. And keep making excuses why we're not saved. Why we don't want to make Jesus Lord and Savior of our life. I want you to know that God wants you to change so he can bless you, heal you, deliver you, set you free, so he can show you his glory. Amen. First Corinthians 15 and 21 said, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. See, if you let God change you now, He's going to change you again later. 
uh, the rapture is going to take place. But only changed people going into the rapture. Only people that have been changed, people have been born again, people who let God change them, they're the only one going into the rapture. We shall all sleep. The Bible says we shall not all sleep. But we all shall be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of the eye. The dead in Christ shall rise first and meet God in the midair, and then we that are alive shall go with them and forever be with the Lord. But the only because you got a chain. That's the second chain. The first chain is accepting Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Then the second chain, when we're raptured from this world, oh, God, into eternal glory. Second Peter 3 and 9, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not willing that any should perish, but, but that all should reach repentance. So, let me clarify that verse. There's nothing else really left to be done for Jesus to come. For all prophecy had been fulfilled. One of the greatest prophecies was in the last day, there will be a great fall away of the church. Children will get the parents, and parents will be against the children. Look around you now and see that it's so. See that it's so. See that it's so. Letting us know that the truth is right in our eyes. Children fight against a person. The person of God against their sons and daughters. The love of many waxing cold. Men loving, uh, leaving the natural use of themselves. Men loving men, women loving women. Uh, yes, all this is going on now. Losing their natural affection for, for the female, the female for the man. And going contrary to God's word, it's going on now. As it was in the days of Solomon and Gomorrah, he said, so shall it be in the last days. Oh, I can throw that in there. That answer what I forehead said. So we ought to understand, then what time it is. We need to be getting our act together. We need to be allowing this Jesus that on the inside of us to change us from one grave to another. He can't change you until let you let him. He can't take out of you what you want to turn loose. See, you can't change if you don't want to let go. If you're trying to hold on to everything that you were doing when you were lost, you're not going to change. You, you hear me? You can't hold on to everything you were doing when you were lost and, and change. It don't work like that. you got to let go. you got to let go. you got to sanctify yourself and throw aside and let go. Lay down every weight. It is sin so easily. Lay it down. Lay down every weight. Lay down that sin. Lay down that iniquity. Lay down that transgression. Lay down that fornication. Lay down that adultery. Lay down them drugs. Lay down that alcohol. Lay down down that lasciviousness. Lay down that sexual immorality, huh? Lay it down. You got to lay it down. Hey God, you got to lay it down. Hey God, so God can change you. You got to lay it down as He changes. Second Peter. Three and nine. The Lord is not slow fulfilling his promise of some cow slowness. But he is patient toward you and not willing. And it should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Other words, God is patient now, and that's why he can't come. For everything else to miss fulfilled. All prophecies to miss fulfilled. 
But to keep you from going to hell, because so many, if God would come right now, so many souls would go to hell. So many family members that you got would go to hell. So many family members I got would go to hell because they're not ready, ain't trying to get ready. So the Holy Ghost is being patient. The Holy Ghost, don't you know the rapture could take place right now? There ain't nothing to stop the rapture from taking place. It could take place right while I'm talking right now. But if it do, so many souls. God don't want nobody to go to hell. He said he wished that none perish. All couldn't repent it. God wants you to get saved, even though you don't did it wrong, even though you don't analyze his name, even though you don't talk to ugly about it, even though you neglected him, even though you don't put him on a back burner, even though you act like you don't want him in the way you don't believe it. He's so patient. He's so loving, so kind, so forgiving. He'll forgive you right now. He wants you to repent. He wants you to say you're sorry. And the Bible says he's slow to anger and he quit the love. He wants you to surrender. He, yes, yes. That's why he let you live. You ain't living because of something great you did. You ain't living because you got some special relationship with God. You're living because of the grace. You're living because of his mercy and because he don't want you to die and go to hell. Ephesians 4, 22 and 24, to put off your old self, which, which, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt to deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and to put on a new self, created out of the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. you got to put off the old man. We were talking about the old thing passed away. That's what the old man do. you got to put off them old ways. you got to put off that club mentality, uh-huh, that hanging out with the guys and women mentality, hanging out with the crowd mentality. you got to put off the old man. You've been born again in Christ Jesus now. I put on a new man, Christ Jesus. You know, I talk about the Adamic nature, what the Adam is. I talk about Jesus, the nature of Jesus. This is what the writer's saying now. He's saying you've got to put off your old self. You can't live the same way you live. You've been born again now. You're a child of God. You've been bought with a pride. You're not your own. You belong to Jesus. So you've got to put off your old self. Uh-huh. You hear me? You gotta put off your old self, which 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 belongs to your former manner. You don't act like you used to act no more. You gotta act like the new you now. And be renewed by the spirit of your mind. Do you not know that it, that your mind is where Satan attacks? He doesn't attack your heart. He attacks your mind. Because if he attacks your mind, your mind gonna attack your heart. He knows this. He knows if he can attack your mind, then he's gonna get to your heart. Because everything comes to the mind before it goes to the heart. He don't go to the heart and then go back up to the mind. Please hear me this evening. See, you don't been deceived, and that's why you can't change. You're trying to change stuff in your heart. If you change stuff in your heart, your mind still messed up. We've messed your heart up in the first place. Your heart going to be right back there again tomorrow. Do you hear what I'm saying? Do you hear what I'm saying? you got to change your mind, and your mind will change your heart. And once your heart changes, your heart will keep your mind right. You hear me? You don't, you keep things in your mind. That's why the Bible says, what's never lovely. He didn't say he in the heart. Listen, listen to what the writer said. He said, what's never lovely, what's never pure, what's never holy, what's never just, what's never trustworthy, what's never a good report, what's never honest. He didn't say nothing about the heart. He said, think on these things. That's a mind thing. Satan attacks the mind of the church. He attacks the mind of people. So he knows if he attacks their mind, he automatically can get to their heart. So once the mind gets messed up, 
then the heart gets messed up. You hear what I'm saying? Now, if you take a hog out of the mud and don't change that hog mind, and just take him off the eye, they don't care what kind of heart you take the hog guy. If you don't change that heart mind, that hog mind, that hog going right back to that mud because you did not change his mind. All you did was clean him up and change him, but you didn't change what was on the inside of his head, which was his mind. You got to let the Holy Ghost change your mind. When your mind changed, your attitude will change. When your mind changed, your behavior will change. When your mind changed, your character will change. When your mind changed, the way you act will change. When your mind changed, the way you treat people will change. That's why you're so mean. That's why you feel so honorary. That's why you be so bitter, because you let your mind mess up your heart. Yes, the heart got it now. Once the heart gets messed up, you messed up. For the Bible says, put a watch over your heart. And the way you put a watch over your heart is by putting a watch over your mind. If you cover your mind, it can't get in your heart, because your, your heart, Tapo, your mind is the open door to your heart. Do you not know that? If you cover your mind, your heart will be covered. Because it's out of the do your mind that the devil brings evil thoughts in order to fill your heart with with with, with a lust and a dustiness and fornication. It comes through your head. See, how it comes through your head, Apostle, because it first comes through your eyes. Uh, the eye gate, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. It first comes through your eyes. And where your eyes in? Your eyes is in your head. And then it comes from your eyes and it go to your mind. And then you got the ears. It comes through your ears. It comes through your eyes and your ears. Not from your mouth. It gonna come, it's not going to come out of your mouth until it gets to the heart. See, it misses the mouth. It don't care nothing about the mouth. It, it goes to the eyes, it goes to the ears, and then it goes to the heart. And once the heart gets it, it comes back out of the mouth. But the Bible says, well, come out of the mouth. What does it say? It is that it came from the mind, and it wasn't right said. The Bible says, when it comes out, out, of, out of the mouth, it came from the heart. Now your heart messed up, and you're cussing, and you're lying, you're deceitful. He said, a dozen is in the fornication and sexual immorality, a little seriousness, it coming out of your mouth because it got in there through your head, through your mind. Oh, my God. So you need to take more consideration of how you think, who you hanging around, evil communication, oh, top shape, evil communication, corrupt good matters. Some of you hanging around the wrong people. You can't hang around somebody cussing all the time and not cuss. You can't hang around somebody cheating all the time on their husband, cheating on their wife, and you not get affected by it. And that old lust and spirit get on you, and you wonder now why you want to cheat, why you want to be on faith with your husband to your wife, because you're hanging around somebody who's that way. They're corrupted. And evil communication, evil communication, evil actions, evil doing, evil people that do evil things will corrupt you. And have you want to do the same thing that they're doing? Okay, I'm going to go a little further. I got excited about that right there. Uh, second, first Corinthians 6 and 11. As such, as, as such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of, of, of God. Oh, the word, don't forget. Don't forget you, too, was like that one time. Don't forget that you, too, was out in the club one time. Don't forget, don't get the big head, get all proud, God can't use you. Don't forget you to be lost. 
Don't forget, don't forget that you were, you were, but now you've been washed. You were unclean and full of the world, but now you've been sanctified. And you were acting just like they were, but now you've been justified in the name of the Lord, and God has changed you. You're a new creature now, so act like that. Well, so to yourself, like you ain't never done nothing. You a, a big old thing of cookies and all that right there. You too was lost. You too was living in the world. Now let God use your testimony to bring somebody else out. Amen. Philippians 3 and 21, who will transform our, our lowly bodies to be like his gracious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to to himself. That's what the writer says, Philippians says. Paul is saying that as you walk day by day, as you accept that this is new life that you live in, as you accept this new generation, if you, you accept this new change, you're going to begin little by little to be made like God, made, made like Christ Jesus. This is what God's trying to do. He's trying to make you like Christ Jesus, sanctified and Holy Ghost sealed, fire baptized. He's trying to make you like his son, that the nature of his son might be manifested in you from one grace. But why the Bible tells us to go from one grace to another. He's trying to give you more grace. You don't, like I said earlier, you don't get all the grace of God when you're born again. You just got a little bit. You got enough to save you. But day by day, the Bible says the judge shall live by faith. Day by day, we walk in his faith. We walk in his grace. Day by day, we get a little bit more grace. And as we get a little bit more grace, the Bible says God give it Christ. Give it grace according to the measure of Christ. So day by day, we get a little bit more Christ. And we read and fast and pray and go to church and go to revival, we get more Christ. Now, you may not see yourself getting more Christ in you, but little by little, your soul has been sealed up. And as you're getting filled, you're getting more grace with God. Wow, ain't that exciting? So grace come by great come by getting Jesus Christ, getting more Jesus on the inside. You want more grace? Then get more Christ. Ask God to fill you up with more Christ. Fill you up with more Christ. By the power of the Holy Ghost, fill you up with more Christ. Hebrews 7 and 12, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, excuse me, Titus 3 and 5, he saved us, not because of work done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of generation and renewing of the Holy Ghost. He did not save you because you were so righteous. He didn't save you because you were so good, so goody two shoes. He didn't save you because you were so perfect and didn't make no mistakes. That ain't how he saved you. For the Bible says, by grace are we saved. Listen to the verse. For by grace are we saved. That's not of ourselves. It's the gift of God. It's not a word that any man should bow. We're not saved by our words. We're not saved by our righteousness. He said, by grace are you saved. That's every one of us. All of us saved by the same grace. By grace are we saved. It's not of ourselves. So quit bragging. Uh-huh. Come on down, humble yourself. Quit acting like you saved yourself. It was grace that saved you. It was not of yourself. It was not your ability. You had nothing to do with it. Now, if you had anything to do with you being saved, you ain't saved. Let me say it again. If you had anything to do with you being saved, you ain't saved. Because the only way you can be saved is through the power of the Holy Spirit, by the power of God, through Christ Jesus. And he did that. Not you. Yes, I know you accepted him. I know you got down and prayed that prayer and received him in your life. But he the one did it. 
All you did receive what he already done. So he gets the glory, not you. For the grace are you saved. It's not of yourself. It's not of your righteousness. It's by the power of God. Acts 17 and 30, the time of ignorance, God over, overlooked. But now he commands all people everywhere to repent. Listen, God has been good to you. And he overlooked the merciful, could have destroyed you in his heart, his pleasure. He could have destroyed you in your sin, but he's been so gracious. Uh, he overlooked what you've done. He gave you a chance out of chance, but time is up now. You're old enough to know better. It's time you come to your senses. It's time you realize that you're wrong. The time of God ignorance is over now. He allowed you. He allowed you to be put out of ignorance so that he wouldn't destroy you. He counted what you did ignorantly so he wouldn't destroy you. But no time to overnight because you know better. You know better. You know better. It's time you be saved. You know, a preacher, I was a preacher. The Bible says you're the foolishness of preaching. Isn't that something? God said preaching is foolishness. That's what God said. He said through the foolishness of preaching. God called preaching foolishness. Foolish to preach and somebody get saved. Satan don't preach nobody. Satan ain't got no sermon. Satan don't preach no Sunday morning message. Satan ain't got no Bible study. Satan ain't got no Sunday school. Satan don't run no revival. Satan don't have no word, no no workshop. He don't have no conference. He don't have no convention that we have every year. And out of all that, people still go home lost. Satan, Satan, Satan don't have none of these things, but he recruited more people than God has. God, Satan don't even preach that he got people. Satan ain't even got to preach in the morning. He ain't got to run no Sunday morning service. And he's going to have a whole hand for a Sunday. And he ain't even preaching out one message. He ain't preaching out narrow sermon at all. He ain't quoted that narrow script out of the Bible. And he got all these people on Sunday morning. And here God is preaching. Here God is doing everything he can. Sending his apostle like me tonight. Sending his preacher telling you to get saved. And you turn a down ear and go run into the devil who ain't never preached no sermon. The devil ain't never did nothing for you. The devil don't enlighten you. The devil hate you. Why are you serving a devil that hate you? Yes, you are serving the devil if you're not saved. But the Bible said if you're not saved and you listen to the devil, the Bible said the devil is your daddy. Did you not know that? Look, uh, Go to First John, First, Second, and Third John. Read in there and see am I telling you the truth. The Bible says if you listen to the devil, if you obey the devil, he is your daddy. For who you obey, that's who your daddy is. If you obey God, God's your daddy. If you obey the devil, the devil's your daddy. You might say, well, Pastor, you shouldn't say that. Well, I'm telling you what the Word said. I didn't say it. I'm going to repeat what the Word said. The Word said that the devil is your daddy. And you think about that. If the devil is your daddy, you're not going to heaven. How are you going to go to heaven if the devil is your daddy? You can't go. The devil ain't going to go to heaven, so he lost out. And you're not going to listen to him. So you need to check yourself. You need to come to yourself. For the time of ignorance is over now. God's not overlooking what you do now because you know better. It's time that you quit 
pushing these sermons to the side. But the Bible says, in the day you hear my voice, hard not your heart, and that day in the day of provocation. Seventy thousand died at one time. Do you not know that? Seventy thousand men. Now, you just think about how many congregations that would take for us to get 70,000 people in there. Seventy, how many churches, these little teeny churches wouldn't even hold them. We, ain't no telling how many little churches we would fill up on the side of the road, these little storefront churches. I ain't kicking the storefront church, but that's what I mean myself. But what I'm saying is, look how many we would fill up with 70,000 members. 70,000 people, y'all. 70,000 people. Moses had millions and millions of people with him that day. Moses had over millions of some people were out there in the wilderness with him. But 70,000 of them turned on God. 70,000 of them provoked God. And God killed them because of fornication. But yeah, he killed them because of fornication, because they committed fornication in his sight. 70,000 died on one day, and one day, one day, not two days, not one year. At one time, 70,000 died because they provoked the Lord and turned to their own wickedness and thought God was joking, thought God was playing. I come by and encourage you. I come by to encourage you. I come by to enlighten you. I come by to warn you. I come by to inspire you. Repent. Repent for the time of repentance is at hand. Repent. Get saved. Quit putting it off. Don't you go try to go and drink no liquor to cover up this message. Don't you move when this message is over and go out try to get you no dope and marijuana to try to drown out this message. This message is from God to the apostle. I ain't preaching, but this is not my message. This ain't something I'm preaching. I'm letting the Holy Ghost talk to me. The Holy Ghost is warning you. You done been warned. You done walked in his ignorance long enough. You done walked in ignorance long enough. Acting like you don't know what you know you know. You know what it is to be saved. You know all you got to do is accept Jesus as your Savior. You know all you got to do is accept the atonement that through Mary, how that Jesus was born by the Virgin Mary. And the Bible says if you believe that and confess that with your mouth you shall be saved, you know that it's simple. John 3 and 16, it's been in the Bible. It's on people's shirt. It's on on, 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 on bulletin board. It's on platform. It's everywhere. It's, it's wrote into the cement. It's engraved on stone. Wherever you look, you, you got that scripture, John 3 and 16. So there ain't no excuse for you not to be saved because John 3 and 16 is everywhere. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and we are believing him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. All you got to do is to go from darkness to light, from, from eternal damnation to eternal life is, is repent and accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Just that simple. The Bible says whoever believes in him, believes in Jesus, shall not perish. You're not going to hell. Perish means you're not going to hell. You're not going to spend the rest of your life in hell. That's what perish means. He said, if any man accept Jesus as his Lord and Savior, for God so loved the world, God loved you so much that he don't want you to go to hell. He don't want you to be lost. He don't want you to lose out with him. He don't want you to end up in hell. So he sacrificed and gave his son, and his son gave his life. That you that you might have a right to the tree of life. That you might have an opportunity. Now listen, just because you got a right ain't enough. 
It ain't enough to have a right to something. You got to be connected to it. Just because you've been given the right to be saved, that ain't enough to save you. You got to accept him. He said, if anybody accept him, you got to get on your knees and pray and accept him as your Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ, ask him to forgive you for all your sins. Ask him to forgive you for your iniquity, your transgression, and your wrongdoing. And tell him you accept him as your knees and his atonement through the through Mary. His atonement through Mary. How, how the virgin had a child that was by the power of the Holy Ghost. And you got to tell you believe and accept that atonement that you might be saved. Acts 17 and 30, the time, uh, Philippians 4 13, I'm sorry. I can do all things to him who strengthens me. That is no excuse. Quit trying to do it yourself. Change yourself. You can't do better yourself. You can't lay down these weights and sin that you're going through yourself. But through Christ Jesus, you can do all things. God will give you the grace. You do everything you need to do. But you've got to do it through Christ Jesus. You can't do it in yourself. You will mess up trying to do it self. Isaiah 43, and we'll try to let this be the last verse. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. Remember not the former thing. Nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not proceed it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. God is doing a new thing. God wants to do a new thing in you. Won't you let him do it? Quit talking about change and let him change you. Quit talking about you want to change and won't, won't go do nothing to change. Your new year resolution in January, but here it is. December, and you ain't did a thing that you said you were going to do in January to December. You've been lying to yourself. You've been procrastinating. You've been putting it off for a whole 12 months. Now it's time to let God change you. I encourage you, you cannot change without the help of God. You ought to need to humble yourself. Go to your prayer closet. Go to your room. Go out in the field. Go in your backyard. Wherever you need to go, you need to go and say, God, change me. And God will change you. Who should never call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. God had no respect to person, whether it be Jew or Greek, whether it be Catholic or Roman, whether it be Puerto Rican or Japanese, whether it be a black or white. It don't matter the nationality. It does not, it does not matter the nation. It does not matter the color. If you call on the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. For you had no respect to the color. He had no respect of agenda. You hear what I'm saying? And if you are caught up in homosexuality, you can still call on the name of the Lord. He will save you. Then he will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. If you are caught up in lesbianism, he will save you. And he will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. But you got to call on his name. you got to confess your fault. If you confess your fault, he just and faith to forgive you for all your sins and cleanse you from all the righteousness. That's what he said. He want to change you now. Put the old thing behind you. It's time to put the old thing behind you and not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Testing that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Romans 12 and 2. It's time that you let God change you. 
and make you the creature that he wants you to be, a new creature. Luke 13 and 3 said, No, I tell you, but unless you repent again, you will all likewise perish. God is saying again, except you repent. If you don't repent, you will perish. So you hear what I'm saying? The rapture could take place any time. Any time God could call the church home, and then you'll be left behind. And the second resurrection happened. If you missed the first bus, uh-huh, they used to sing that song, the morning train. If you missed that first train, if you missed that first bus, then that second bus, is there is no life. But the Bible says there is no life in the second resurrection. When the second resurrection, see, in other words, what I mean by that is, the dead in Christ will arrive first. If you've been born again and the rapture take place, those that are alive on the earth are going to go first, meet God in the air. It's going to happen so fast. It's going to happen. And the people that have been born again and that is alive are going to go up first. It's going to happen so fast. It's going to happen before you say, ah, before you can even quote, uh, uh, put a word out, before you get utter a word, it's going to be over with. For the Bible said in the twinkling and the moment in the twinkling of an eye, the dead in Christ going to rise first. They're going to go first. And then the folks that are alive on the earth, they're going to go right behind them in just a moment. It's going to happen faster than you can repent. You ain't going to have time to say you're sorry. You ain't going to have time to go to your neighbor and get it right. You ain't going to have time to leave your gift at all. It's going to be over with, and you're going to be left behind. That's the first resurrection. But seven years after that, it's going to be the second resurrection. And in that resurrection, those people that are going to be resurrected, those people that are going to be resurrected, it's going to stand before God. Eternal, eternal death. But there'll be no life in the second resurrection. Yes, you're going to get up, but you're going to get up to be sinners, to everlasting life and to judgment and to hell. Uh, never to see God's face no more because you didn't make the first resurrection. For for everyone who don't get come up out of the grave and hasn't been born again, if you had if you died, you weren't born again, you're not coming up out of the grave on the first resurrection. You're going to lay right there to the next resurrection. So I encourage you, to, I, I encourage you to die in Jesus. I encourage you to die in Jesus. You hear me? We're all going to die one day, so let's die in Jesus. Let, let, let's make Jesus Lord and Savior of our lives. Let's change. Let's change. Let's change. God wants a change. He came for, Jesus came to give change. He just didn't come to give you a new name. He didn't come to give you a new identity. He didn't come to give you a new look. He came to change you from your Adamic nature, your Christ-like nature, from your sinful ways to your godly ways. He came to change you, but he can't change you except you be born again. You can't change and not be born again. You've got to have the new nature. You, you've got, see, you've got a lot of people changing coming into church now, and they think they say because they quit drinking liquor. They think they say because they, they quit running around. They, they take the chain because they quit smoking cigarettes or they don't do drugs no more. Now they go to church every Sunday, and they think that a change. All you change was your behavior. All you change was your habit. You ain't changed your soul. Your soul is still lost. You just sitting up there in church lost. On your way to hell because you done been deceived, thinking that because you changed your behavior, you changed your character, you changed uh, the deeds that we were doing, you changed your behavior, uh, you changed your lifestyle, you thought that that was good enough. No, it's not good enough. You've got to be born again. Jesus said that. Dead of the flesh. 
that that born of the flesh and of the flesh, and that that is born of the spirit of the spirit. He told Nicodemus, you must be born again. It's okay. Please don't get me wrong. I'm glad you changed. I'm glad you stopped your lifestyle. I'm glad you you left the club alone and stopped drinking and running around. I'm glad you did it, but that's not enough. You've got to make Jesus Lord and Savior your life, because if you don't, you'll never see God in peace. You'll never spend eternal life in heaven. Thank you for listening this afternoon. I change is intimate by the grace of God. Present Father, thank you for the message that you've given us this evening about change. It ain't enough just to say we've been born again and we don't change, because change must come. We got to be sanctified and Holy Ghost filled and fire baptized so that you can put your spirit in us and use us. You said you after the Holy Ghost come, we we, I, we shall have power, power to witness to the lost, power to heal the sick, power to raise the dead, power to call the blind to see. So we just thank you, O oh God, for your Son Christ Jesus that you sent to bring change. Let change take place. Let us not. Claim something in God that is not working for us. If it is not working, let us go get the real thing, God, in the name of Jesus. Because we want to change. We want to be different. We, we want the world to be look on us and say, for well, surely that we have changed. Old things pass away. The whole all things become new. This holiday season, Lord, many people are looking for gifts. People are looking for something out of the Christmas tree. But we want you to bring us closer to you. We want you to change us, oh God, from one grade to another. Take us a higher height. Take us a deeper breath. Use it for your honor. Use it for your glory. Use it for your praise. Do this, Lord God. That thy word not go follow death here on this radio world. And we'll ever give you praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.